This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to project the ball more, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm not throwing picks where I'm, you know, not seeing the coverage. You know, I, I see what's going on, and whether it's a tip ball or, um, you know, there was a few that, you know, they got me on. But I, I'm, I'm processing it. I'm going to the side. I know exactly what happened, why I went there. Um, so there's things I can build on, but, but the bottom line is I got to protect the football. So that's definitely something that this back half of the season needs to be a focus, you know, for me. And Max, you know, I think it's well stated by Kenny Pickett, who I, I prefer to now refer to as the Sundance Kid, because he's better when he moves. All right, so got yeah. Kenny Pickett. He says he comes out there and he says, "I'm not throwing picks where I'm not seeing the coverage. I see what's going on, whether it's a tip ball or where there there are a few that they got me on. But I'm processing it. I'm going to the sidelines and I know exactly what happened and why it went there. These are things that you have to be self-reflective in. It's important. The growth of a quarterback is a little bit different than a lot of other, just about any other position." And the NFL, simply because of the fact there's so much central intelligence going on and being accumulated by the quarterback, and he's got to disperse so many different things and control the rhythm and flow of everything from the huddle to the line of scrimmage to post-snap stuff. So there's a lot of things to process, but the good part is, in my mind, listening to Kenny in a very calm way explaining, look, it's not like I'm not seeing the coverage. You know, they get me a few times, okay, I got eight interceptions and 165 attempts. It, it's it's my bad. Some of them, you know, there was the one where we had the interference call, or non, non-interference call uh, on the on the seam route that, uh, you know, uh, went down and he picked it off. They got picked off on, which I thought was abhorrent. But the fact of the matter was, as Kenny talks about it, He's processing the info. It's not like they're they're not fooling him huge. He's he's understanding what he's seeing. No, you're absolutely right, Wolf. And yeah, that that non interference interference down in Miami on the Chase Claypool yes, thank you. seam route was uh was exactly one of those prime examples. Or the one where it bounced off of Chase Claypool's chest. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we were playing against what was it? It wasn't the, it was uh the Jets. Was it the Jets? I don't yeah. well. When he when he when he came in. When Kenny came in the first game in the in the second half. Okay, all right. That was a Jets. That was a Jets game. Yeah, the one that bounced it. We were going towards a closed end of the stadium, and the ball bounces off of Claypool's chest, and they intercept it. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's just like you said, but you're happy because this is the rookie process. Yes. <laughs> welcome. Thank welcome you. Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> welcome to the NFL, everybody. This is what the rookie process looks like, and the fact that he knows exactly. You know, what he needs to do, um, being a more mature quarterback coming into this league, I think just bodes well for him. And you hear that. There, there's a calmness, there's a confidence in that speech, and there's that accountability. You know, there, there's not necessarily blame shifting or it's not me. It's, it's constructive criticism from a self-evaluation. And I thought that was something that you want to see in your quarterback. You want them to take accountability for but also – but now that you've said it, you've put it on the record. Now from this day forward, <laughs> let's see what you do to change that. Narrative, yes, right, no doubt about but, it. One of the more things t- more tutties and inties. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Here's the thing about it with Kenny. I think one of his strengths is now we've understood that he can be much more mobile. He can be one of these guys. Think of this: 
He's 23 of 29 for a buck 75, either under center play action or rolling the pocket. He's better when he moves. Can I move? Yeah. Move? What the hell you mean move? I'm better when I move. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. Nice job, right? That's Listen, from Butch Cassidy. Invested. Go ahead. That, oh. That's from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I was about, just about to say, investigative journalism at its best right there. <laughs> I love that yeah. scene because you got Paul Newman and you got Robert Redford. Is you know they're doing the the, the whole thing, and they're they're with Struther Martin, who's this Wild West uh, you know character, and so they were just, he's testing them out to see if they can shoot, and and it's so great because the Sundance Kid goes, well, can I move? And he goes, well, what do you mean move? And then then he moves and he shoots, and they, oh yeah, I guess you can you shoot better when you move. Well, I think it's the same thing with Kenny. One of his strengths is his ability to use his legs to get out on the periphery. You got to sprint out, you got to reverse roll out, those sorts of things. It gives him an opportunity to divide the field into thirds and be able to throw accordingly and not have a whole lot of crosstown traffic to deal with. No, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I, I think in today's NFL, a prerequisite has to be that you have to be a mobile quarterback. I mean, when you look at around the league, that is something that you need to have is mobility. And not saying you need to be a dual threat, right. you got to be a running quarterback, this, that, and the other. It's the willingness and the ability to. That's all we need at the quarterback. Is it capable, right? We that That's what you need at the quarterback position. Because as you look at the starters in our division alone, right? I mean, between Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Jacoby Brissett, all movers. Yes. And a couple of shakers, you know? <laughs> and then – I mean, just and look at the NFC South. I mean, Brady is that one exception, but the reason why Marcus Mariota is having success this year, right? He can move. You know, Andy Dalton, not as much success because he can't move. Right. You know, <laughs> you know and, and Carolina is just Carolina. We're just going to put them in a whole separate category <laughs> for right now. Well, here's but the thing. Mobile let, quarterbacks are leading. Let me, let me throw this at you, okay? Because you played with the great Ben Roethlisberger for, for so long, and he was – he was a mobile quarterback early on. He was one of those, and he was unbelievable extending the plays. But he was one of those guys. He was he was stirred, not shaken. <laughs> you know, like James Always, Bond. Yeah. There you go. I'll give you another James Bond. All right. There we go. I like it. Yeah. So the point being is, it didn't. It didn't. Um, how do I put it? Uh, it, it, he didn't need to be the dual threat because, he, first of all, he was so good with his arm. Second of all, staying alive in the pocket and everything else. But, you know, you get to have different – every quarterback's different. And I think what you're saying and, and what the NFL is monopolizing on now offensively are mobile quarterbacks. Not necessarily dual, but certainly you got to be mobile. Absolutely. Um, every, every quarterback that's in this league that's successful this year that's leading their divisions – Probably, probably better, better guess. They're all mobile, except for Tom Brady, yeah, well, and that's only because nobody. And that's because only because nobody wants to win the NFC South. Uh, <laughs> he's another one that's stirred, not shaken. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But but I will say this for Ben. Ben was Ben was dare I say it a dual threat. It right. was you had to worry about him throwing on you or him knocking you down. That, that was the, that was the, really his only way. It was either a stiff arm or a bounce into, you know, I mean, Ben was Ben was just a big dude. Yep. And 
he knew how to move around, not necessarily north and south, but he knew how to move around to create what he wanted to create. And that was something that was a big blessing to have that mobility in the pocket. Now, that can also be a curse, too, for the offensive linemen. Because when you're unaware of where your quarterback's going to be, you have a problem. <laughs> because you just never know. One good thing about Ben, you knew where he was going to be predominantly. And the fact is he had such great awareness. I mean, he had that samurai sixth sense going on about him, man. You know, it was he was always aware of the rushers coming at him. One of the greatest throws I ever saw him make was in the Super Bowl forty-three when he ducked two, two Cardinals and came up and threw to Heath Miller standing at the first down yard to gain, the first down marker. I, he bar- I, don't even, I, I even asked uh, B.A. after the game, was that planned? Is that pl-? I mean, just the way he came up out of ducking two pass rushers and chucking that baby to Heath, I was just sitting there going, it looked like it was planned, but he just came up out of him. It didn't even look like he looked before he threw. He just threw it. And uh, B.A. said, well, that's when you plaster coverage and it breaks down and it's going like that, that's where Heath goes. He goes to the first down marker. Yeah. Um, I'm glad it looked that easy. That he, <laughs> you know, he, he would think he, that. There's he, a lot uh, he makes look easy, my friend. No, I mean, but blocking for him. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, knowing where, you know, us knowing, we had no clue where he was okay. going to be. <laughs> Especially the truth be especially told my now. first six years, but especially my first six years, you're like, why are you behind me right now? Why is this guy <laughs> reaching over my shoulder? He stopped his pass rush, and the guy's like trying to jump over me as though I'm security at like a at like a concert and a boy band's come in. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I no, you, no. And and then you know you get back in the huddle. He's like, yeah, man, you had better protection. You know, it started to leak a little bit to the right, so I just drifted behind you. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you for telling me that now. Um, could have used that information a little bit earlier, you know, in the contest. But I mean, but that, but that was a, that was the beauty of Ben. His off script was always on script for him, and so you just you just had to just feel the body and the eyes of the defender to know where Ben was, because like you said, he could literally pop up behind you. When I tore my ACL in the Denver playoff game, the, the Tim Tebow miraculous game, right. Um, that's exactly how it happened. Robert Ayers Jr., he came on a bull rush, and I'm trying to sit down on him. And then I felt my knee pop, but, oh. I'm, but I stand him up, and I'm like, okay, I got this dude. And then he just reaches over my shoulder and grabs Ben's jersey because Ben is literally right behind me at this point. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then we all go down. And then, yeah, then I had to come to the sidelines because that, that knee, I, I, I heard it, and I tried to put on like four different braces. But, I mean, mm. that was – that, but that's just indicative of Ben's going to Ben's going to manipulate the defense either with his pre-snap read or then on the post-snap when he figures out what you've disguised to him, he's now going to make you wrong by moving his feet and forcing and forcing the coverage to change and forcing the wide receivers to kind of break off their predetermined route so you can finally find some holes. So, I mean, it was just a beautiful thing, and and that's why I hope Kenny Pickett, you know, gets to is that feeling, that understanding, but the accountability is first, and I think he's doing a great job in that direction. No question in my mind. Look, I, I think of this, you know, you got you got the young buck, you're in a, a tough division. It's it's a little bit rough waters right now, but he's 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 like a duck, man. He's he's bobbing above the waves. He's staying with it. And I like the fact that 
you know, when, when he talks about it, he says, yeah, number one, I, I got to protect the ball better. But the good part is he's processing the info. I'm going to go we'll go all the way back to the beginning. You know, he understands why he went where he went with the ball. I mean, to me, I, I you know, sometimes you see quarterbacks come back, and, and I'm sure you've had an experience with a few. Of course, not many because you're always with Ben. But, you know, you, you got to – they come back and, like, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I didn't see – I didn't see that. I didn't see they're, – they're confused, you know. And I went through a number of quarterbacks where the quarterback wasn't quite at the level of, say, a Bradshaw or, you know, a, a level of a Ben, you know. And certainly, you know, you got some – a little bit of problem there. And, <laughs> you know, for, for Kenny, being so young, the fact that he can process the information quickly enough that he understands why he went where he went with the ball and is able to communicate that, get over on the sidelines with Sully and Matt Cannon and be able to, you know, dispense that information back to those guys – uh, it's it's vital. It's absolutely vital in the growth process, and it makes me appreciate more about the maturity level and the extra year of understanding he went through in that fifth year at Pitt, and that's going to help him in the long run. It may be a little bit troubled now, Max, but I really think this young man is going to be top top shelf upside. Well, and, and he got coached by one of the best. I mean, I love Mark Whipple. Coach Whipple was right. Whip was it was his coach, so he made him understand kind of what needed to be done so I, I i feel confident and once again the best part is we get to see it live in action wolf yep. this sunday we get to see what the growth looks like and we get to watch that process from a week-to-week basis for the rest of the year so i'm ecstatic well wolf we're going to step aside real fast because you know we got the cool breeze coming up next and we oh, want to yeah. make sure we we allow enough time for the breeze to just roll on in like <laughs> like, like a good morning tide you know or a fog uh <laughs> or or a fog, I would you be, know. I, mean, I would be the fog. That would be me. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, I just want to sit on the dock of the bay. You know, Otis Redding's <laughs> oh, down. Oh, you know? there we go. That's all it is. But here, we're going to step aside so that we can allow the fog slash ships to come rolling in on the next segment in the locker room here with Wolf and Starks on ESPN and SNR Radio. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, sometimes you just got to let it breathe, you know. (laughs) It just, it puts you in the right mindset. Grab your deck shoes, your khakis. And, of course, a nice button down with the rolled-up sleeves. Pop the collar. It's the cool breeze himself, Jerry Dulac, joining us right now. And Jerry is brought to us by Chupka's 2 Cafe, located in the historic south side, where you can catch all football and hockey action on their 17 TVs and enjoy $3 Coors Lights drafts during all the action Jerry, how are we doing today, sir? Well, Max, you know, every Thursday, I look forward not only to chatting with you and Wolf, but I look forward to seeing what words you'll pull out of you-know-what to introduce me. 
And I enjoy the heavens. The heavens, you you are. Yeah, that's it. The heavens, that's it. yes. And I enjoy I enjoy every uh, superlative you hurl at me. Well, I'll say this, man. I broke out my Hawaiian shirt for Jerry today because you know, no party. There's there's never a party until a, some fat guy shows up in a Hawaiian shirt. So let it be. Let it roll now. Well, Max, this this guy is so blue here, and if you are back in your hometown or home state there of uh, Eric. This guy has been blue for three days, just like it usually is there, and that's all going to change tomorrow. When speaking of the heavens, they're going to they're going to let go. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not, not looking forward to that, Jerry. Um, I have to say <laughs> that was uh, that was not on my forecast because we've no, been dealing as, with gray the last couple of days. So yeah, yeah. As a, as a sideline guy from Arizona, it'll be a little chilly for you, I'm afraid, on Sunday. Absolutely. All right. Coming out of the break now, Jerry, what do you think the number one job the Steelers need to accomplish or and or position a position that needs to be, you know, kind of targeted? Obviously, we, we're talking quarterback. Kenny talking about the fact he's got to protect the ball better, all those things. But what, what, what kind of crosses your mind? Yeah, well, first and foremost, Wolf, uh, before I would look at each position, I, the, the one thing that jumps out to me with the trade of Chase Claypool, not that he was a major impact or anything like that, but after trading Chase Claypool, if, it is, if it's possible, you come out of the bye a worse team than you were going into the bye because now you have traded one of your starters. You have done nothing to make you better. I know they brought in William Jackson. I don't think that's going to, I don't think he was brought in to solve anything. I think he was brought in to challenge guys and to let those guys in the secondary know that if you're going to let five touchdown catches go unchallenged and you're going to drop four potential interceptions in Miami, that's nine plays you didn't make. Right. Um, I think they want to send a message to those guys that we're not just going to stand pat and tolerate that. Um, the, the irony of Kenny Pickett uh, wanting to protect the ball with more, which he needs to, and they know it, is that that's exactly what Mitch Trubisky was criticized for. <laughs> Too conservative, throwing the ball away, you know, protecting against interceptions at the expense of maybe making plays or, no, letting guys make plays downfield, which, let's face it, for the most part, we just haven't seen. So, and, and so I'm watching practice yesterday, fellas, and, and I'm looking at this, and let's face it, you had, you've lost four of your top five receivers from last year now, and and the rookie that you drafted to hope to, that you hope would help replenish that stock is on injured reserve. So now you're down to really two wide receivers uh, of of any value, and one is George Pickens, who, despite his potential, um, and and we see his awesome ability, still waiting for him to be an impactful player, with the exception of one game and a couple catches. And the running back you're talking about playing more has 159 yards. So you look at this, and I don't mean to depress you guys, but I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I'm tanking, you know, I'm tanking, Jerry. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just thinking, you know, this just isn't a very good football team. And to answer your question, though, Wolf, I'm not sure what areas you go to uh, address other than just, you know, you, you, you hope your defense, um, you know, can can keep you in games, uh, you know, make some plays. 
Um, look, they do have eight picks. That's the one thing they have done. So we could sit there and say, you know, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't challenge those touchdowns and they dropped the picks in Miami. They do have eight of them, and that ranks in the in the uh, upper uh, uh, upper eighth of the league. So they have done that, and they're going to have to do more of that. Obviously, having TJ back will help. Uh, I'm giving you a long-winded answer to say I'm not sure that there's a lot of areas where I think they're going to magically improve and uh, and turn this thing around. Well, uh, thanks, Jerry, for coming on the show today. <laughs> hey, uh, it's been great. Week, guys. I'll see you Sunday at the Yeah, exactly. Good night, exactly. Shit, shit. The ship set sail. All right. Uh, let's leave in the dock in five minutes. No. Uh, well, I do – here. Uh, uh, Wolf I, and Max, I do want to brighten your day, uh, your day with the Saints coming into town this week and Myron Cope being inducted into the Hall of Honor. Mm-hmm. I will point up to you that it is the 20th anniversary of Myron Cope mispronouncing the name Fakir Brown. Oh, no, no. Not the, <laughs> oh, do I remember that one? It's the 20th anniversary oh. of one of the great moments in radio history. And, of course, I can't fully uh, tell the story here because we don't want to get in trouble. But it right. was, uh, yeah. that was one of my favorite moments. And uh, I went back and looked, and I thought, oh, my goodness, it's been 20 years since, really? uh, since that happened. So I thought how appropriate with Myron being inducted into the Hall of Honor. So yeah. I thought I'd put a little smile on your face. You did, after, because after, here's the deal. After that desultory explanation <laughs> I gave you prior to that. Think about this. Yeah. I have, uh, and this is terrible to admit, but I, I've I've actually forgotten my anniversary on two occasions, right? Okay? The, people who know me, they understand. And my wife, thank God, she gives me grace. But, you know, I remember exactly where I was at when, when Myron said that. And and and, okay. and, and Wolf, he's gonna funny, he's gonna play it right now. Who was yeah, that guy, the cornerback who allowed it? Faker Brown, thirty-five. Fuck it, huh? Fuck it, Brown. Fuck here, Brown. F a k h i r. Is that the guy that I have the guy right? Thirty-five. That's, that's the faker. <laughs> you you could just call him Brown. that's the that's the best part of it is when is when twinch at the end uh says you you know he's just just trying to hold back that laughter and says you could just call him brown i will tell you fellas a lot of times when i speak i go through that whole dissertation i do that as as part of my my spiel and it always brings the house down Uh, of course when i when I speak, I can always use the the, the actual pr- mispronunciation of fuck here Brown's name. But, yeah, it's one of the great moments in radio history, and God bless Myron. We all miss him. Amen. I will tell you, I was in the Superdome. I was walking behind the Steelers bench, and it was right at the 45-yard line going in to the Steelers' end when I heard that, and I actually took a knee. I went down on one knee. I was laughing hysterically. I couldn't believe what I heard. And when Tunch said, you can just call him Brown, just, I, I like lost call it. Him Brown. <laughs> and I, I think the, the particulars there uh, was Tommy Maddox had just thrown a touchdown uh, to Terrence Mathis. Is that and, okay? Uh, and, yeah, and it made it 32-27 to put the Steelers ahead. And, you know, just as a little backstory too, uh, you know, Myron, before every game, how diligent he was, Wolf. Yes. He sat in that. He sat in that in the booth, and and for a number of years, it was a real pleasure and thrill for me professionally to share the broadcast booth uh, with Myron. But he he made a point to talk with the opposing PR guy to go over the pronunciations 
of of the tough names oh, on the opposing roster. And so he always made a point each week to do that to prepare for the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's oh. and that still happened. <laughs> that's 20 What's years. I name? can't believe it. What's his yeah. name? Oh my heavens. Oh yeah. Jerry, that is just one of the great memories that you brought up of Chaluch. That I can, you you can't top that one. It was just too funny. He and Myron. I agree. It was just such a great time. So, looking at this game with the Saints coming in, the interesting aspect is both these teams need to get back on the W, right? Both teams are looking at each other as an opportunity to do that. Who do you think has got the greater emphasis on trying to get that W? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. The Steelers only have two of them, and the Saints at least have three. Um, Yeah, there's no question, uh, Wolf. Look, you're both talking about franchises. Uh, You know, while the Saints franchise, obviously not as proud and successful as the Steelers franchise, they they are a franchise that has been trying to find uh, a replacement for Drew Brees, and it just doesn't happen that easily. The Steelers think they have one. Uh, it, it, you know, a, a certainly a more than capable one with Kenny Pickett using a number one draft pick on him, but you just don't do that. And you're everybody, in case they haven't noticed, they're witnessing what happens when Ben Roethlisberger isn't around. And right. so the Saints are, have been in that position now for uh, a couple of years. You know, they've, they're, they're going to go, they're going to stick with Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston. But I don't think there's any question, Wolf, uh, when you look at the plight of the Steelers, there's no question they are even more desperate than New Orleans uh, uh, for victory. And we've seen Mike Tomlin face this before. He's been two and six before. You know, Bill Coward told me last week when I had a chance to talk to him, he said in his last year, um, 2006, the Steelers were two and six, mm-hmm. and they finished eight and eight. They went six and two in their last eight games. And you know and you know who it started with? Uh, at, uh, New Orleans in week eight. Oh, really? You know, the, yeah, same Whoa. time. So. So historically speaking, the irony is that, you know, is that same thing going to happen? I don't know that they have a six and two and or in this case, six and three turnaround in them. But I don't think there's any question. They are the more desperate team for a win. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we, it, it's it, it's the got to have it zone for a victory, uh, especially when you look at the last half of this schedule um, dealing with opponents who are. For lar- by large, I mean a lot of them at 500 or below. I mean, right, there's right. only one. I think one opponent you play twice that's above 500. That's Baltimore. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati, Cincinnati sneaked above 500. I think right. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. They but did. they're the they they're did. the only ones. They're the only ones. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the only ones, and that's your three division games. Three out of your four division right. games. So, so you have so you have to you have to have the victories that are that are close when you're in the same area. You've got to rise to the occasion. And outside of your illustrious review of the offensive prowess and capabilities <laughs> of this team, I mean, I want to say that I, I think there's still opportunity there. I think, you know, even with the loss of Chase, I think the roles that can be filled by deserving guys, it is an opportunity where you get to see what guys are made of. And, right. I, you know, I don't subscribe to the school where, hey, we just need to play young guys at this point just to see what they can do. No, 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 no. no. You're still in the win zone. Um, you still in the – we still got a chance at this season. You still need to prove what you can do. This isn't a tanking situation. And I think that's what I hear from Kenny. That's what I kind of get as a feel from the team as, as it stands right now. And, I, I mean, ha- 
can you even put a value on the boost that T.J. Watt will give to that defense? Because I know as bad as they were, um, you know, last time they were out, he changes that dimension greatly when he's inserted into the lineup. And there's no question, uh, Max. You know, he becomes a red-letter player. He becomes a guy that the opposing offensive coordinators have to worry about. When he's not there, they don't have a red-letter guy, I, I would suspect. Well, Minka, of course. Um, and, you know, possibly yeah. Cam. But in terms of guys who have the ability to change the game as quickly as those two guys do, look, they're turnover machines. They take away machines. And so, um, and to your point about, uh, you know, um, you know, going out and, and seeing what guys are made of. Look, there's you, I don't have to tell you, Mike Tomlin, as you well know, is not a guy who's interested in just playing out the schedule. He wants to win every game, and that's one of the things he's going to monitor. And, you know, offensively, you know, uh, you know not to sound cryptic, but let, let's face it, they really can't play any worse. And so they really only can get better. And so maybe by – reducing some of the options you know what i mean maybe by reducing the playbook jerry i'm sorry i agree with you on most points because you are such a brilliant orator and 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 one who understands words but when you say that let's face it they can't get any worse i've been worse i've been there (laughs) you know i i i I always cringe when i hear that because hey i know that we all know well theoretically you can be worse but the fact is i understand what you're saying where you're coming from now the one thing i gotta say about this is is anybody getting nervous over william jackson coming over and having issues with a low is it his low back yeah yeah okay yeah i i I honestly can't tell you wolf uh to answer that specifically whether they are or not but i'm sure i'm sure it's something that they're not crazy about you know, because, um, you know, as, as Tom Donahoe physical, once right? said, oh, sorry. yeah, yeah, as Tom Donahoe once said, they didn't bring him in to lead the band at halftime. Right. You know, he's going to play. Is he going to start and change the defense? No, no. But he's a guy who can run. You know, Terrell Austin had him for a brief time in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He likes him a great deal. Um, you know, we'll probably find out a little bit more today what, what his status is. But, you know, you look at it, Keller Weatherspoon is on that injury report, and so is Le- Levi Wallace, even though, Levi was out there yesterday. I'm sure he's fine. Akella Weatherspoon obviously aggravated that hamstring in practice the other day. So I'm not going to expect a whole lot of him because you know how that aggravating that injury goes. Um, right. But, yeah, so now you have three, including William Jackson, you have three guys on that uh, three corners on that injury list. So from that standpoint, it's looking good. But, hey, when you get T.J. Watt back, obviously – that make that's going to make a difference in the defense. Now we'll see what his conditioning is like. You know, having been out how many games now? Seven games. Um, you know, that might be a bit of an issue. Uh, but you know, if you know him, uh, you know, conditioning is never an issue with right. that guy. Right. Other other than the fact he plays so intensely, uh, you know, and competitively that you know he exhausts himself sometimes, right. <laughs> even when he's in tremendous shape. So I don't know that that's going to be a big issue though. Oh, well, well, Jerry, all right, one last one for you before uh, we have to let you go because I heard the ship's departing in two minutes. Uh, we'll make sure you're on. <laughs> when the cool breeze the is there, the time. cool breeze is only there for a moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, you know, kind of, you know, just, just thoughts about what you expect to see on Sunday um, with a Saints team coming in off of a short week playing a Monday night football game against Baltimore at home, coming into Pittsburgh and playing an early Sunday game, um, and the Steelers coming off of a rested bye. 
what what's your what, what's your thoughts about how the, how this game's going to go? You know, Max, I expect them to win. Uh, you know, coming off the bye, I expect the, you know um, I expect them to have uh, great focus. They will do some things differently. I don't know what that is. Um, but I, I expect them to come in and I expect them to play well. Do I expect them to put up 34 points? No, but I expect them to win. And, um, you know, the Saints are coming off. Look, anytime you play the Ravens, you know you're in for a physical game. You know, Andy Dalton got beat up pretty good in that yeah. game. Um, you know, and coming off, uh, you know, the Monday night game, I, you know, I would, uh, I would expect the Steelers to bounce back and see if they can't get this, um, you know, ship righted and uh, headed at least – in the proper direction. I mean, they got a long way to go. As I said, I'm not sure I see a six and three turnaround, but, but, uh, but um, I think, uh, I think the schedule is in their favor to have at least a, a, a modest run here at the end. I mean, I think they, I think it's very reasonable to think they can go five and four uh, in, in this, these final nine games we shall see, but I think that's the one thing that, uh, that they have going for them. Beautiful. All right. I appreciate it, Jerry. Once again, the cool breeze has blown into the locker room port <laughs> and and provided us with a little bit of sunshine. There were some clouds in there. There were some clouds. And I can say it was a <laughs> completely cloudy. sunny day. Partly cloudy, you know, but, but – well. I hope – I just hope I didn't drag you guys down too far, and I hope, <laughs> like the Steelers, you're able to bounce back. You know, that's one you know, thing fat guys do best, right, Max? We bounce. We bounce. Yeah, we, we, we do. We, we bounce like the buoy off the side of your yacht, Jerry. It's cool. Um, it is cool. But, no, but thank you, Jerry, so much for stopping by. We'll see you at the ball yard on Sunday. And uh, once again, yes, yes, let it play. Let it play his outro music. Because I, feel like I feel like doing a little two-step myself. <laughs> I'll see you boys at the ball yard on Sunday. And, as always, I look forward to it. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, thanks, Jerry. And Jerry is brought to us by Shipka's 2 Cafe, located in the historic south side, where you can catch all football and hockey action on 17 TVs. And might I add, they're big screens. They're not little screens. They're big screens. Woo. And also enjoy $3 Coors Lights. So the cool breeze advises you to enjoy the Coors Lights while you're at Shipka's 2. And once again, that, just a great segment, Wolf. Uh, we will react to what Jerry said, especially about the offensive side. When we come back on the other side of this break, you're in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN and SNR Radio. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.